All right. Hello and welcome to RealCom's second in the series titled Enterprise Systems Data Integration and Industry Direction. It's actually the second, but it's being played first because the first one was rescheduled to May 4th. So be sure and check that one out too. Uh, I am Chuck Nicewanger, president of NiceNets Consulting, your RealCom host for today's webinar, Effective Data Architecture Strategies. Let me say that right. Effective Data Architecture Strategies, Implementations and Integrations. You're going to get a ton of information about this topic today, so be sure you might want to take some notes. Today's discussion does center on bringing your application and data portfolio all together, sort of the how companies have adjusted their technology roadmaps to handle new demands and optimize business processes and respond to an evolving marketplace. Uh, but before we get started, let me go over a few housekeeping items to help you have a great webinar experience. First of all, again, thank you to all of our live attendees. We do encourage you to use the Q&A box on the control panel of your screen to submit questions or comments. It's always better when you're an active participant. In the handout section, you'll find more detailed bios of our panelists. And in the small set of slides for this webinar, we've designed this discussion to be more discussion and fewer slides, So, but they're still very useful, so take a look. For the best webinar experience, we do recommend closing any other internet applications, especially streaming videos or doing research on chat GPT, which when I asked it to send me a script for this webinar, after a two hour conversation, it told me that it wanted to be a human and that I should leave RealCom. Very creepy. So uh, be careful with that. If you're experiencing any technical issues with connectivity, sound or video quality, the best thing to do is disconnect and click on the webinar link again. You can also email Ian at ithompson, that's I-T-H-O-M-P-S-O-N, at realcom.com for help during the event. But don't worry, you won't miss anything since you'll receive a link to the webinar recording later today. And I think, yeah, you have my email address there. So if you have questions, if you're not in the live audience and you're watching this as a recording and you wanna send me a question, I can help you get it answered. So just send it directly to me on, uh, with the email address you have there. This educational webinar is sponsored by our outstanding sponsors. Predict AP automates invoice capture using artificial intelligence, part of our subject today, helping you reclaim time lost on manual repetitive tasks. It works seamlessly with your existing AP workflow automation to ingest fully and fully cold invoices in seconds. Let me bring on David Stifter. He's a managing director of Digital Bridge and founder of Predict AP. David, tell me a little bit more about it. Yeah, thank yeah, you. Give me, another, uh, give me another a few nuggets of Predict AP. Yeah, we're talking about automation today, and really, this is this is a you know very specific bit of automation. I think AP is one of the unsung problems that that a lot of businesses face, and really, this is meant to handle that ingestion coding at the very start. All those kind of hidden rules that your company has, all that tribal knowledge around how that bill that comes into the read or mothership gets split 56 different ways, and it's a, it's a very difficult problem. And we focused on using ML and taking your history to unlock the value on how to fully code an invoice then work synergistically with whatever AP you're using, Yardy Nexus, Avid, any of that. So Predict AP will help you uh, fully code your invoices using Because people are doing that manually today, right? Most, yeah, a lot of people are doing it manually and a great way to automate it. Thanks, 
David, we'll yep. bring you back during the discussion. Thanks. Let me let me talk a little bit about Term Sheet. Term Sheet's a real estate technology platform that promotes end-to-end -end deal management with a powerful CRM system. It extracts data from your day-to-day -day workflow to populate a secure cloud database <clears throat> and couples public, internet, and third-party data sets into a single platform, everything you need in one place. Let me introduce Roger Smith, CEO and co-founder of Termsheet, and give you a little bit more on this. Yeah, thanks a lot, Chuck. Thank you to my fellow panelists. I'm honored to be here today. Um, one of the key things that we think about on term sheet, uh, at Termsheet on a daily basis is data. That's sort of our, that's our sweet spot. That's where we, we play. And given our experience in the real estate space, we, under that, we understand that there's a big question that firms uh, face on a daily basis on how to best manage their data. So Termsheet has built a customizable deal engine platform that allows uh, teams to build workflows that work for them. Um, but that's not, that's not enough anymore, right? It's about how do I manage the data from third parties, internally collected data that you maybe need to manage and maintain yourselves, uh, as well as, you know, partner data that you need a place to, to uh, consume and, and Termsheet provides you a platform to do that. Um, third, you know, we allow you to um, connect to our backend database. And so you can build things on top of Termsheet. So it's no longer just like a data store. It's, it's, it, it allows your data to come to life. You can connect things, you know, from Python SDKs uh, to, you know, BI tools directly to our, our deal data or our, our data database and Termsheet DB. And lastly, we have, as a result of that, we have connections to third-party BI tools. So it's no longer that your data is locked inside a platform, and you can consume information from all uh, different sources, manage and maintain it within our platform, and then visualize it in, you know, within your tools. And so we really believe that we're building a, a real estate a technology stack is how we look at ourselves. That's perfect. Thanks, thanks, Roger. And and I will tell you, I've learned I learned a lot just from what you just told me. So hopefully the audience will will learn that too. I thought it was more designed for pipeline and acquisitions process, but it's I see it's a lot more than that. So. Uh, congratulations on expanding that. And uh, Roger, we'll see you again uh, during the discussion. So thanks again. Thanks, Chuck. All right. And I, I do want to say, too, we are grateful for the contributions by our vendor sponsors to our industry, to Realcom, and to helping us educate our viewers in sessions just like these. So if you're ready to escalate automation and data integration into your business process from acquisition to disposition and everything in between, be sure to include these trusted partners in your vendor evaluation process and be sure to listen to the scope of this webinar because it's going to be a lot of information for you and I think you'll enjoy it. I just have a quick comment about these Realcom webinars. Our goal is to discuss, debate, explore the landscape of innovative solutions, business challenges, and even uncertainty in a manner that's relatable and easy to understand and provide our end user community, you, our Realcom followers with rele relevant information that can be integrated into your own business objectives. So uh, our moderator today, uh, a, a good friend of mine is Justin Siegel. He is the president of Boxer Property. Welcome, Justin. Hello, hi Chuck. Happy, happy to call you a friend. So I would do, I'm, I'm excited for you to get started. Um, I do want to do one thing real quick. Let's take a quick poll of the audience. We have uh, about 60, almost 70 people in the audience. Let's, if you could just take a moment and give us an idea of the position in your company. This might not be perfect, but it'll give us a good idea if we need to tailor any sense of the conversation around uh, the, 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 the scope and the makeup of the audience. So 
uh, please do that. All right, I don't know if we need much more time for that. Uh, Justin, I was gonna say, let's take a look at the results. A very large group of our executive leadership. So people are looking for direction, uh, Justin. I think that's quite interesting. And the, the largest component is the technology, innovation, HR, that the, 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 the meat of it, and even some ESG and asset management piece. What do you think of that? Makes a lot of sense. We've got the right audience. That's the, that's the group we're catering to. So hopefully we can deliver. Well, I hope it works out great. And and uh, again, for all you people watching this as a recording, be sure and send me your questions. If you, if, if you were live, you would have been live and you would have answered it. So I'm going to get out of your way, Justin, and uh, let's get to it. Thanks. Great. Well, uh, let me let me start just by welcoming everybody and and um, remarking on how incredible it is just after watching the, the two uh, vendor presentations, uh, sponsor presentations that we're, we're talking about Python SDKs uh, in the place of where, you know, we used to have a broker or, or some kind of acquisitions manager. Um, we're talking about machine learning in the place where, where we used to have an accounts payable clerk. And so if we ever wondered whether the, the progress had been happening in commercial real estate, the answer today definitely is yes, um, it is. So I'm the moderator, I'm Justin Siegel. I'm the president of Boxer Property. Uh, Boxer is a uh, US-based uh, privately held commercial real estate company. We own and manage office buildings, hotels, retail properties, and some other things. Um, we also have a strong focus on data and systems, uh, as well as kind of working on, a, on an international footprint with our teams. Um, but I'm going to start by clicking through a couple slides to, to give us a framework that we can use for this conversation. So uh, you heard Chuck kind of stumbling a little bit. Uh, no, Sorry to call that out, Chuck, but the, you know this is the actual title of this presentation, and it's a mouthful. Um, what I wanted to do is kind of bring things back a little bit and give us some concepts that we're going to be talking about. So at the foundational level is data. Then we have systems that kind of sit on top of that, people that are that are uh, an important part of this mix, and finally actions are things that happen. And I'm going to just run through a couple of of types of each of these things to give us some things to point at as we talk. So on the bottom layer, we've got our data architecture. You know, what is our taxonomy? How, how is our information fitting together? The container is about where we're holding it. And then actually the content, right? Each of those are, are kind of separate concerns of an organization. On the systems layer, we've got our core systems very often, uh, uh, something like Yardi or MRI or an ERP system. Um, and then we have this concept of platform or uh, malleable things that can cover a lot of territory versus siloed systems. And anybody on this call is probably familiar with some of that back and forth. Um, on the people side of things, we're, we're breaking it down into people that are on site or that have to be proximate for some reason. This could be a maintenance engineer or a property manager who needs to tour the property or a leasing agent. Um, and then in the middle, we have what I would think of as knowledge workers. So this is anybody who's using uh, using a computer for, for most of their work, uh, where information comes in, they can improve the information and it goes out. And then in the last category is process architects. This is a special kind of knowledge worker. These are the people that can build 
systems that can that can architect decisions. They may be the person who knows how to use the Python SDK or knows how to use um, a low-code, no-code system. Uh, it could be a data analyst or or a data scientist. And then on the actions layer, you know, we'll we'll start with unstructured. Just think of that as old school traditional stuff. And then in the middle is documented or technology assisted. This is something that would be running in a system. And then finally, automated is where we're using more advanced uh, things like process automation, um, machine learning, algorithms, those kinds of things. So, you know, anything that's on the advanced level. And this, this framework covers a huge amount of what we're going to talk about. There's a couple other things. One is this concept of integrations. Um, how does all this stuff fit together? And then up a layer from that is interface. Where do we see it, right? So what what is the user experience? Uh, where are they consuming this this um, this data or this process? Uh, and then finally, we have these things that kind of pop in that are, that are forces or issues that we have to deal with. And you know, it could be any of these things that are listed there. The, the, the concept is that they kind of come in and, and bounce through and touch a bunch of different stuff, but without getting into details, we can just think of them as a, as a part of the model that is a generic issue or force that, that will be landing uh, in this framework. So that's kind of a, a quick overview of how I tend to see the world and what we've talked about uh, as, as panelists. Now I'm going to introduce the panelists and we're going to get into the actual conversation. Um, so first of all, uh, let me introduce Eileen Goldfein, a uh, longtime colleague and, and friend uh, at Heinz. She is the Chief Digital Strategy Officer, among probably many other things. Um, Eileen, can you just give us a, a quick hello and a short overview of what your what your responsibilities are? Great. Thanks, Justin. It's really exciting to be here. This is actually my first um, Realcom uh, seminar like this, webinar, and so I'm really excited to to I'll be a part of it. First, to just uh, explain again quickly what Heinz is, what we do. Um, of course, it's real estate, but um, we are currently, I found out yesterday, we went into our 30th country. Effective yesterday, we went into New Zealand. So we are a you know global company that basically does every, uh, works in every product type. So office, multifamily, mixed use, retail, you know, self-storage, you name it. And we also work across the entire vertically integrated spectrum. So we are investment managers. We are also uh, property managers, and we also do a lot of third-party services. So I say that because a lot of the things that Justin just showed you in the in that deck apply across the organization, but in very different ways depending on who you are and what your position is that you sit in. That we always have to be thinking about. And my role um, with Heinz is the as the chief digital strategy officer is that I oversee three disparate groups. But working together in order to create a frictionless experience for our tenants and our clients, um, our employees and our stakeholders. And so those three groups are the business process group, the technology group, and also the data and analytics group. So those three groups come together in order to really create our digital roadmap for the Heinz organization. Thank you. Awesome, thank you. Uh, next up is um, Sam uh, Raghavachari from RPT. Uh, Sam has has been uh, in some incredible roles in his past, and and maybe you can tell us a little bit about what you're up to now. Thanks, Justin. Really happy to be here, and really honored to be here. Thanks for inviting me. And um, 
RPT is, uh, is a very retail-focused open-air um, shopping centers um, we buy across the country. And um, we are not in any other asset types, only on retail side. And um, my role here is really fully from um, head of technology, meaning really from um, cybersecurity all the way to data or anything in between from um, um, technology standpoint. So our focus lately has been a lot of digital transformation. We are embarking on few of those um, digital transformation, including auto automating our lot of our business processes, as well as streamlining our business operation into consolidated platform. I'm happy to talk about that as we go on. That's that's in a nutshell. Great, very good, and and happy to have you. Um, David Stifter, you guys have have, have met uh, briefly uh, in his dual hat role as the uh, uh, founder of Predict AP, but he also has another very important role at Digital Bridge, formerly known as Colony. Uh, David, hello and welcome, and give us the one, two, three. Yeah, Justin, I'm, I'm aspiring to get your three hats. I only have two hats right now, so that's you know, something to shoot for. Uh, great, great to meet you all. So yeah, my, my background is similar. I lean and Sam of, of you know technology, and I think it's great over time how you know the business and technology have come together, and really you know real estate. I think for some time has lagged, but um, my role has been on on making processes work. I'm kind of an accountant by background, but a geek at heart. So you know bringing those two two things together to solve problems. And at Digital Bridge, you know it's public REIT. Uh, you know, private equity funds, all sorts of challenges around technology and making that all work with acquisitions and dispositions. And Predict AP was 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 born out of just frustration with with a bit of that technology and what what was available in the market. So um, you know, I love I love talking tech, and I'm I'm excited to to talk about the topic today. So great, great to meet you all. Right, very good. And 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 just as a as a casual plug, I'm I, I saw what was going on with Predict AP and immediately felt that uh, that our financial team needed to see it. So I'm looking forward to that demo. Um, Thank you. Uh, and then uh, finally, uh, again, Roger Smith, CEO of Termsheet. Hello, Roger. Yeah. Hey, thanks, Justin. I'll, I'll give you a quick spiel on my you know short background and, and why I think I can hopefully add to the discussion. Uh, prior to starting Termsheet, I was the CTO at a real estate private equity firm. So a lot of the, the um, you know, the items that Sam and Eileen are dealing with, I've dealt with myself as well, you know, and, and the, the, you know, in from protecting the firm against, you know, cyber threats to understanding how can I roll out data uh, to, you know, my acquisitions team so that they can, you know, help do their job better. And how can I automate a lot of the things that David's talking about such that, you know, the, the accountants aren't spending most of the day transferring data from a property management report to their their underwriting model. And so a lot of what you know we deal with at Termsheet is is providing a platform to you know solve those problems that uh, I myself had felt you know um, within uh, that real estate private equity firm. And I and I think you know the industry in general we're, we're we're like you said Justin like with the Python thing it's crazy to think that we'd be talking about Python and real estate in in the same sentence. But the fact is that that's where we are and and that's what um, we should expect. <clears throat> Great. Well, well, thank you. And you know that that concept of where we are and what she, we should expect is is a really good lead-in to the beginning of of kind of actual questions here. Um, so clearly, there's a ton of stuff on that framework. You know, there, there's there's so many different 
you know, it's it's like walking into a department store and you know mm -hmm. seeing this this range of options in front of you. Um, what I'd like to start with is like, where are you going first? Like, where where like where are you placing your chips uh, over the next twelve months? Um, I'm, I'm going to start with Eileen because she's first. But you know, what what are you focusing on right now and and for the for the next twelve months? So what's interesting again, looking at that framework is you know we don't see them as disparate pieces, right? I don't think anybody thinks of them as disparate pieces. But they all you know work together, and you've got to look at them holistically together as you're working on a business problem, right? So, so I'm going to address this and we're placing our chips from a business problem perspective. And then, then we have to start talking about all those different pieces and how you will go address the different pieces to support the business, the business problem, right? And so um, I think that it's really important to always ground yourself in what is the business objective? What is the outcome you're looking to do? And then figure out what you're trying to do underneath and all those different layers and, and working through all that. So I will say there's there's three big areas that, that we're focusing on, but they're completely intertwined, right? So the first is talking about ESG. And and I, I bring this up, um, especially seeing, you know, the polling results that, that there was a piece that's ESG and there's technology and more technology innovation. ESG is not separate at all from technology and innovation, and I, specifically around the data, okay? And so one of the things we've been talking about a lot is that the the combination of our head of ESG and the, our global digital strategy office is actually what is making this it is coming together, right? That has to work together because ESG in and of itself doesn't actually, you know, get you where where you need to go. You need to be able to document it. You need to be able to do it scalable. You need to do all these things, especially around the ESG data. And so there is um, that is where we're placing a huge amount of time and effort right now is around ESG and ESG data, specifically on the environmental side, because if you can't measure it and you can't prove that you've done it, you can't get to those net zero goals, right? And so it's a tree falling in the forest that 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 doesn't help anybody. So um, so I'd say there there's that, which leads to then the other piece is you know we have been working diligently for the past X amount of years on our data infrastructure, our data warehouse. So what it basically really is, is taking that even deeper into the properties. So as we said, we're vertically integrated. So we've started and went you know, up through an investor standpoint, but now it's how are you going deeper into the properties, which again gets you into a lot of this data related to environmental you know, and, and carbon. So that's the, the second piece, which is data holistically you know, with the I and ESG. And then the third is I'm gonna say experience. And I'm specifically not calling out um, tenant or client experience. I'm saying experience because it's not just about our people that are walking the buildings, which we all should be focused on. It's also about the investor experience, the vendor experience, but really about the employee experience. And that employee experience, you know, and how we are streamlining processes and the user interfaces to use these tools and, and how that, you know, we've, we talked about that, that experience for them to use these tools and, and be effective in their jobs needs to be really, really crisp. So that's what I would say is our, our three big areas um, coming up. So go big or go home. No, that's, that's the, uh, you know, th those are, those are big ones. And I think in particular, the, the, the ESG data and kind of the, the property data seem to have a significant amount of overlap. So if you can, if you can shoot one, uh, you know, one time and hit two targets, that's, that's awesome. It's like back to the foundational stuff, the data. Well, it um, actually all ties into the experience as well, especially related to 
can experience and think because that's again property level data that you're trying to get together to surface up and make different different yes, I'm going to make an early call on this is that there's going to be a theme about everything is being tied together and we'll just we're going to hear that again and again I'm not I wouldn't be surprised in the least but speaking of speaking of tying things together uh, Sam I know you you there's integration is a big part of what you're doing but same question for you where are you where are you placing your chips what's what's concerning you for the next 12 months yeah so if you look at this uh, diagram, right, the biggest thing for us is really bringing data, um, more transparency and visibility to the data for the users. Um, so right now we have sort of our processes in different places, different systems. And so we rely on people and to get the data and um, request data back and forth and all that. So first thing for us is really how do we make our data more transparent and more visible to the users? We give, give, them to a, give it to them at the right place at the right time, right? Um, so our biggest project, our biggest initiative, I should say, is really how do we develop a system or a, pro, or, or a process that we can have for our entire from acquisition to disposition. Um, so that is our initial focus. That's what we are focused on for this year. Um, we are uh, embarked on a project and we are building that out as we speak. Um, and second of all, as part of this, where are the integration touch points between our um, business operation system and with our financial systems? And how do we make that happen without having to manually bring up, upload, download data, things like that, like we've been talking about RPA, or we've been talking about automated integrations, and where does it fit? Where does RPA fit? Where does um, um, integrations fit? Um, so system integrations fit. It can be vertical. It can be horizontal. Um, so those are the areas that we're focused on right now. When you when you say, I'm, I'm going to probe a little bit on that, if you don't okay. mind. Uh, and of course, as usual, anybody feel free to beg off of a question if it's if it's hitting something that's sensitive, but when you say you're building it out um, and you're you're talking about a business operation system as being distinct from a financial system, mm -hmm. what does that mean specifically? Is there is there a system that you're using so, or you're developing something? Yeah. So when I say about business operation system, it's more of what is the acquisition process. And once once we go through an acquisition process. So lease is now you've gone through acquisition, your property is owned by us. Now we have tenants in there, or we have leasing spaces that we need to be leased out. Those have to be, there has to be a process. How do we lease it out? And can we have a leasing process in the same system that flows from acquisition to leasing? And once we have the leasing process in place in the same CRM system, then how do we hand it off to servicing? And how do we service that? Uh, property and they're all talking to each other together in the same realm and in the end we go in the, I mean, at the end of the day say five years from now whatever our business model says you want to dispose the product dispose the asset how do we bring in the once once we get into leasing and we started leasing that's where the financial systems come in they are really managing the accounting side of the property once we are ready to dispose, how do you bring the rent rolls and all that, all the management stuff that we have done, all the, how do you bring those disposition side of things together? We prepare it, uh, prepare it for disposition. This, the whole thing is 
what we call business operations. The financial systems is really the accounting side, that day-to-day -day, uh, management of that property. Gotcha. Okay, great. Thank you. So, David, I'm going to ask you to put on your digital bridge hat for this one. Yeah. Um, and and uh, you know, I'm going to assume that the AP process is totally under control there. But uh, what what else? Like what what is what's on your list for the next 12 months? Yeah, no, and, and it's it, yeah, I, lo I love Sam and and Elaine's view on on um on you know the the getting that data integrated because I think accounting always gets the focus right and it's actually I think a lot of folks have kind of gotten a, a good flow on that but but you want to do something once right and and that's so yeah. you know, Sam's example on a lease you enter a lease in your accounting system once it goes on an invoice you're collecting that money like that's a lot of people are doing that but then you have the management reporting on leasing and what's coming up for renewals and what's going, you know, going, going to be my budget for next year and how does that process work? Mm -hmm. And so it's really taking a lot of the, you know, non-accounting things that we've gotten sorted and, and, and getting those into a system. So, you know, ESG data, right? It, it's such a huge requirement. LPs have this in side letters now and, you know, we need to create systems, you know, so Digital Bridge, we're focused on digital infrastructure, data centers, you know, energy is basically the lifeblood of data centers. So how are we collecting that information, you know, directly? How are we giving it to our, our, our LPs? How are we getting it internally to kind of benchmark and do all that um, uh, uh, you know, energy star work and all of that and, and really do it so that we don't create five different groups creating five different sets of reports. It's about doing something once and our investor relations people get the data they need, the, you know, the energy star people get that data, the internal portfolio management people get that data. So for us, we've kind of transitioned We've done a you know pretty good job around the, the core accounting and finance. It's really those other those other more portfolio operations uh, around ESG reporting definitely, and also around more portfolio management, getting into you know getting away from the whole you know waterfalls for Excel's for LPs. That's you know it's become a very risky thing given you know given um, you know SEC and public company requirements and how to create a, a structure process around that, but that that also feeds. Uh, not only that that investor relations group, but it feeds the corporate FP&A group. It feeds the internal portfolio management group. So for us, it's about getting a step beyond just the, the core accounting general ledger into the the other stuff around that and integrating that, that process coming from that single source. So so I'm I'm hearing um, some some themes here that have to do with with kind of having a common set of data and then and then you know making that available across different departments and, and different groups, especially on an operations side of things, which, which feels like a natural tee up to what Roger I'm imagining would say. But, 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 you know, Roger, if you think about like what you're seeing in the market and what, you know, if you, if you had a, a generic roadmap to offer to companies, what would you, what would you say people should be thinking about in this <clears throat> next 12 months? Yeah, it's, it's crazy to hear what, my fellow panelists are talking about in terms of like the the sort of data maturity, right? We're no we're not we're no longer talking about typically what is phase one of your sort of data journey, which is how do I get my data into a data warehouse, right? Um, and then there was the rise of the data lake, which is all this unstructured data. So you think about that process, you know, it's typically I have to cleanse it, I have to normalize it, I have to do some sort of data quality checking, right? Like Eileen, Sam, and David, they're not talking about that. They're like they're like on step four right so if you think about a data journey it's getting data in just getting it somewhere right cleansing it data quality then it's like how do i connect tools to it how can i you know create bi tools and you know create these dashboards so that i can do analysis you know sort of on top of it but what they're talking about is where 
I believe um, what we're seeing, right, which is the sort of what, what, what's commonly referred to as a semantic layer, right, where you now have this data within an organization. How do I unlock that data so that the business user can consume it, right? It's, 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 it's documenting your data. It's creating a data catalog so an analyst can actually reference the data, you know, and build something useful on top of it. So Justin talked about this like low code concept, like that's what we're really seeing. People are, we've matured as an industry, right? We're like, no, it's not, we're past the data warehouse. We, that's, those days are like a solved problem. Now it's like, I have all this data. How do I make all these systems work together? How do I consume them within uh, uh, my organization so that I can begin to actually answer questions and the business user doesn't have to submit a ticket to the IT group to actually run a query, right? Like they can do it themselves. And so that's, from my standpoint, that's what I see is happening in the space as far as the clients that, that we're talking to. Um, those, are the, those are the kind of problems that they're trying to solve. Yeah, and it, it, it's certainly when a, when a company is ready to talk to you, they're, you know, they're, they're, they may be, you know, they're, they're not at stage one. In other words, they, they may, they may need some work to do, but you're, you're probably getting exposed to people that have a sophisticated approach to this, which is also probably the people on this call because it's real calm. Um, so, you know, if, if, if we're, if somebody is still dealing with the, the, the kind of basic stuff of, Hey, we need to get our data together. Um, the good news is that those problems have largely been solved in the industry and there's a lot of great uh, people that you can go to who will be happy to share probably some of the ones on this call. Um, and I, I'm going to answer the, the, the question uh, as well myself and then I want to give you a heads up. I'm going to ask you what, what people should not be focusing on now. So think think ahead. But um, in, in terms of where we're putting our, our attention right now, I think we've been you know, kind of beating the data drum for many years. Those of you who know me have known we've been, you know, investing heavily in that and, and then taking that data and doing the things that, that, that we're talking about with, you know, kind of making it available and building processes and pushing it into operations and having a, uh, a you know, an operations wrapper effectively around the core data. Um, and then what we're really focusing on now is how do we use that uh, that thing that we built that's this kind of, you know, conglomeration of data and processes to help us become a truly global company and, you know, chase talent where we can find the talent and operate around the clock and, and really spread our wings in terms of our operational footprint uh, as a company. So this is kind of also coming from, if, depending on, on what sector you're in but if there's any sense of hey budgets are tightening or we need to you know do more with less it's it's leveraging those investments that we've made and putting them in the hands of people who can you know who can really make the most out of them um, there's definitely some stuff that that we have stopped doing or stopped focusing on that that I think kind of you know would, would constitute maybe the the buzzwords of the last cycle um, Who's a volunteer to to call out something that they would just yeah okay Eileen what what causes you to roll your eyes? Well, I'm going to be a little more generic because I don't want to call out any specific thing in uh, the organization. But uh, so so and this kind of ties into like um, you know what's going on in the the industry right now and things like that. So I'm going to tie this all together. So 
some people may have heard me say this in, in a variety of different ways. You know, in general, real estate people like to be busy, right? I mean, we all work in an industry that real estate people like to be busy, especially, you know, acquisitions teams, investment management teams, you're, you're talking about right now, the industry is a little bit slow, you know, for a variety of reasons. And so what's happening right now is that a lot of those people that like to be busy doing deals are turning inward into projects that they want to do, you know, in, internally, right? And that's, that's, we, we knew it was going to happen. There was no doubt about it, it happens, you know, um, whenever things like that seem to happen. And that's great because we want that activity. We want that attention. We want that, you know, that focus on the data, on the, on the tools, on, on how we're doing things better. What we are, are trying to do is look that, through that with a lens of what provides the most ROI to the organization, right? And always looking at um, these requests and these asks and, and what we're doing of, you know, from, uh, from a spectrum of really what provides the ROI and then also what's the low hanging fruit? What's the ease of implementation? Now, granted, ESG is not, I mean, we think, of course, ESG is higher ROI and is not ease of implementation. But, but we're talking about, so if projects are coming up or initiatives are coming up and it's talking about whether you know, a, a corporate initiative related to HR, or if it's a, you know, a, a initiative related to something at a property level or streamlining AP, we're trying to look through it through this lens that says, what is going to give us the big bang, biggest bang for a buck? So some of the things that may have gotten attention before, now with all this activity, we're basically saying, okay, let's, let's really understand how to prioritize and, and spend our time effectively because there's only so many hours in the day. So that's what that's what I would say is um, so so it's a little bit of a generic answer, but it really is about looking through that lens and saying what are we going to do and what we're not going can, to do. So can you give us one thing that you would say no to today that you might have entertained before? Oh, I'm 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 pushing back a little bit. Well, so we've been asked to do a lot of workflows for individual groups. Okay, mm -hmm. there's a lot around a workflow to you know assist with our compliance group, a, a workflow to assist with our you know, legal group, workflows to assist with a lot of different things, which are hugely valuable for that for that business, for that piece, for that sets of user group. Okay, but right now we're saying, well, is our time well spent creating that sort of workflow or that sort of automation or putting the money there and the energy there, or is it better served because I need to be doing something over here? that hits a greater swath of people or, yeah. you know, gets me the data that I want because I need data. So, so we're being very judicious about some of those things, whereas we would have probably just been like, oh, that's, I can knock that out, but let's go do that. We're trying to be smarter about, about those things just because of the amount of time of the day. Right. I love it. That's, that, that makes a tremendous amount of sense. It, it, who else wants to throw somebody I, I, under the bus? Just, yeah. Just pick up on Aline's point about like, because uh, technology, it, it's all it's all great, right? It looks great. Like uh, you know, one thing is dashboards. Everyone gets sold on these dashboards, and not really a pre everyone loves dashboards. Executives love dashboards, and like let's get that dashboard. But the hard part is everything behind it. And I think Eileen's point on understanding what it actually takes to get in place. Because if you talk to every vendor in the world, they're like, oh yeah, of course we integrate with whatever system you have, right? And and the reality is, especially in real estate, that that becomes incredibly difficult. And as we're talking, you know, to Roger's point about getting through data structure organization and how do you get this new piece of tech to work with your piece? Will it work, right? Will it work at all? And I think that that's a piece where, where, where you know, executives and the, and the tech folks have a, have a bit of a challenge of saying, okay, well, 
this may be a great piece of technology, right? In a vacuum, it may be excellent, but but does it does it actually work with the with our holistic system? And are we going to spend you know 12 months of time and and ask accountants or whoever who are busy with their day jobs to to stop what they're doing and make that work, right? And so I think understanding what the actual business implications of pursuing a project and is there capacity on the business, right? You can't push a rope, right? And 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 a lot of this requires the business to to really be involved. And so I think that's a big part is focusing on projects where you can get, you know, kind of immediate return, get bang for your buck and not really tax the business um, for something that, you know, hopefully overall will, will get you to your destination as far as your tech journey, but not just looking at tech, look at the integration and, and how it actually works. And that's a big part that, that people should focus on. So one thing that, yeah. So the good thing about the slowdown right now is really there's, a lot of focus on strategic thinking, right? How do we position ourselves from even from business standpoint? How do we position ourselves using technology as an enabler, enabler? And that's a good thing. What I am focused on is how do we leverage that it's inner energy from the business to focus on technology projects that will be a value add for the business. Um, so the things that normally will come as a more like a lights on type a hey, upload this data to this system or download this and bring this put this together those kind of things is what i want to push back and push it back to the user or, or think of ways to automate those now put it as automations create a center of excellence create a list of things that you want to do automate how do we prioritize this what is the ROI? what is the risk we look at different things and prioritize that and really push back on lights on attitude versus really strategic thinking is what what i would focus on yeah i can add to that justin i think what i believe is you know what not to do is to, is that to think that this is your strategic advantage and no like no one else has that this is table stakes now right like people are doing this whereas five years ago it was i think you know i always hear like oh if we had this data that no one else had that we could find some market that you know was un you know undiscovered or we had some special sauce that um you know understanding you know that might give us some strategic advantage and i think that i think while i still think that is true like but in order to be able to do those things you have to have a place to do them from and on top of and the reality is we're at a, a point in time now where everyone's thinking about this right and so it becomes about how do you build a platform that is open right within your organization um, as well as open to receiving data from all these disparate sources so you can actually do the things that we've all been thinking about and wanting to do for so long but it's not necessarily that it's because the next guy or gal isn't doing it like they're doing it it's just a matter of how does it how does it actually make your business better how do you become better as a result of knowing your you know sort of information not that because the other guy doesn't know it because i guarantee you they do or they're working on the same thing yeah i i think I, what you're describing is is the 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 world where what used to be an option to get ahead is now a requirement to keep up and and yeah. you know the, it's, we're kind of as you as you said earlier it's like we're, we're past the first level um what what I've what I'm you know I'll 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 take a crack at this one myself. First of all, I think like 
a lot of the stuff that I mean, this is just too easy. I almost am embarrassed saying it, but the 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 stuff about like we're going to tokenize real estate and um, you know add liquidity by putting it on the blockchain and being able to you know sell like you know kind of fractionalize mm -hmm. interests and things. Uh, it, it, those vendors are just not getting in the door right now, although they, they used to be getting, you know, a fair amount of attention from people. Um, but I think the, the more kind of, you know, seductive thing that, that, that we would tend to watch out for is this concept of, okay, so now once you have all this data, this funny thing happens, right? It's like, we need data, we need data, we need data. And once we do it, we're going to be able to do all this great stuff. And then now you have the data and, and people in the organization show up and go, great, now I want to do this and I want to do that. And I have my custom yeah. workflow and my special dashboard and my, and, and, and it's one of these things where we've been, you know, encouraging people to envision this future. But now that the future is possible, we have to be very careful and judicious about how we allocate our resources to entertain the kinds of things that are now possible. Um, and, you know, like, like some of you have said, I think what we're finding is that to the extent that we've done things in a generic way that is unifying and can be leveraged by multiple departments and multiple people, um, it's been extremely valuable and successful. And to the extent that we've done things in, in you know, kind of more focused or siloed places, we have to be very careful about, uh, about how much we invest in those things. Um, I think for, for, for us, you know, a lot of it really started a long time ago with, with this understanding of our basic central data repository and architecture and taxonomy was so much that we ended up spinning off a separate software company out of that work. But th this is a question that I have for you guys, because we're, we're, this is a sophisticated crowd with respect to this, is what is the central data container or the containers? It doesn't have to be one thing and you're, you're welcome to not answer, but you know, is it like, is it everything's in Yardi or is it a mix of things and we have an integration layer or is it Snowflake? Like where, where's the, Sam is raising his hand. Let, I, can, I can speak to that. Um, we have, we have several things, right? There's not one thing we are today as this is the data container. We have data warehouse, we have MRI, we have Salesforce, we have uh, VTS, um, several different things today. And that's the big challenge, right? How do we bring all this together and, and press in, a, in a presentable format like dashboards or even in the future, how do we um, do some any predictive analytics with this and all this stuff? That's, that's, that's a challenge right now. And, and we are we are in the process of, we are maturing. We are not there at, with like other companies yet. And we are going to be, we, uh, we aspire to, we want to do like a lot of the things that you said, right? Um, how, do we, uh, how, do, how do we bring data governance, um, data consistency, um, data inventory, data classification, all that we, we are in the, we are wanting to do, we have, we have plans to do. Um, and also, how do we consolidate some of these applications? Because we, we a lot of the, if you look at this, some of these applications, do the, they do the same thing. Um, we don't need to have 100 applications doing five different things, right? We can have five applications doing five things. That's uh, uh, And then if you are able to integrate those and bring it to a, um, 
data container and then do all this reporting and dashboards and predict analytics, that's where our vision is and that's where we want to be. And um, that's something we are, we, we have a path for the next few years to achieve that. Yeah, so just Justin, well, if, if you want me, so, um, so we are calling it our ecosystem, right? We, we can't lean in on one, one tool or one, or, or one tech here, um, just based on, again, geography, product types, you know, mm -hmm. you name it, right? Um, as well as the, truly the technology isn't there yet, right? I mean, and, that, and that's what we're seeing is, you know, the, the real estate and the prop tech firms that came up and they're, they're doing a great job and all that, they really are still not there to actually go to the breadth that, you know, in certain areas that, that you want them to. Okay. So we can't say we have this, does this worldwide or in all that, you know, we, so we have to actually consider it um, an ecosystem and, and we talk about it as best in breed, you know, ecosystem. So we're going to, we're going to put them together. So we have our data warehouse and, and we talk about this throughout the business that it's an ecosystem, right? It is no one size fits all because you have a lot of business users that actually just want that one button, right? They just want, I want everything here. I want everything here. And so it's a, it's a continual discussion with them about why, why it has to come together and then be surfaced up to them, right? Why you can't go put everything over here at Salesforce or everything over here. And so, so um, we're, we're continually having those discussions, but so we have multiple systems that come into our, into our, uh, data warehouse, um, we call it the GDH ecosystem. And the reason we call it is as an homage to Mr. Hines, because his initials were GDH. Um, mm -hmm. There's a lot of things named after him. Now he has a data warehouse. Mm -hmm. But anyway, so um, so we put it in there and then, you know, of course, pull it together to, to re report out on it. You know, our our big struggle here is, is, you know, simplifying it so there are, back to what Sam said, 100 solutions maybe there's 50, okay? And ensuring that those systems are doing the best thing that they can do in that area. But that doesn't mean point of, of sale, like point of, of service solutions. Like, so so it's kind of this in-between. It's not a monolithic ERP stack. That's not gonna work for us or I think anybody anymore. But it's also not a bunch of tiny disparate solutions, right? right. It's getting to this middle ground, which is I need some of these tech providers to do more in certain areas to round it out, right? And things like that. And so that's where we're we're sitting right now. I, I, like, I think that's kind of yeah, well, go, go ahead, David. No, no, I should say that's kind of one of the fun parts of our job is knowing where those lines are, right? Like, you know, it's great if everything was a single stack that did everything, super easy decision, right? But that doesn't exist. And and like, you know, we're a Yardi shop, and so Yardi does a lot of things and it does 85% of everything we need, but there's clearly points where they're not able to do it. And there's clearly points where we can work with them and and you know round it out like you say. But but part of our job, I think, is is being aware of technology and knowing that, hey, this is not a fit for it, right? Like maybe doing my corporate budget in, in that system is not the place to do it. Um, and and I need another tool for that. Maybe bring the data integrations out, I need an iPass tool or some central thing and not just try to do all these ETLs and old stuff like we did in Yardi. So I think that's, that's hard to convince the business. It's a, that is the challenge with the business. I'm going to say is because the business is like, well, I can press the button on my phone like that does all these things. So why can't I do that <laughs> from a business perspective? And so you have a mismatch, right, from from a business expectation versus what systems can actually do. And it, that that is to me the, the big challenge. Yeah, that's why we have our jobs. It's fun. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I can add to that a little bit, just to add, you know, not, not to take too much time there, but 
you know, we, we work with a lot of firms that have, you know, they have Snowflake, right? Like they're doing their own internal sort of data warehousing um, on, on their own, or they have nothing, right? They have just Excel files, right? And so, and we, what we realize is that no two firms are alike. And that's part of the problem to Eileen's point, which is like, it'd be nice if were, every single firm were exactly the same and we know, we would know the schema, we would know the workflows, like, but they are not the same. And that's part of why you, you know, why we think, you know, these low code solutions are the path, right, to sort of unlock the data where it lives, right? So to Sam's point, like he might have some data in Snowflake or he might have some data in Yardi or if they're buying, you know, retail centers, they might have their own data set, right, that they are managing and maintaining and they need to um, be able to combine with what they're doing. So, I mean, the, 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 it's, it is it is a hard problem. It is a hard problem. And like what David said, it's it's that's kind of why we have our jobs. But you know, I think the the vision that I see is similar to something that Sam said, which is like this idea that the analysts of the future may no longer know VB script. It might they might know Python, right? Um, and and because you've un, you've enabled access to these data stores that are no longer just building used for building dashboards, they're actually used for um, you know building algorithms you know and uh you know that's that's where I, that's the vision that i i believe that we're heading that's where we see firms that you know previously were just you know real estate private equity firms hiring data science teams right to to do these sorts of things and um but yeah like like i said it's 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 not easy well i feel like the 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 conversation about data is it, it reminds me a little bit of of Los Angeles, you know, like yeah. when you're when you're somewhere else, you look at a map and you go, oh, it's Los Angeles. It's like, you know, it's a circle on the map. And of course, as you get there, you, you realize that there's that there's a lot of different places within it. And, and they've the, the famous mm -hmm. thing about L.A. is there's no there there, but you're certainly there when you're there. And, you know, when we say, oh, yeah, we have we have a we have a we have great data when you really zoom in. You know, it, it can feel like a, it, there's actually several different silos and there's different things. And much like L.A., getting from one part of town to another part of town can be, you know, it requires local knowledge or a lot of time and, uh, and effort. Um, so I think there's there's a part of this conversation that that centers on that. And I don't I don't want to leave that, but I want to put a placeholder in what in what Roger and some others are talking about, which is how to operationalize that data. But but. Before getting into that, um, let, let me ask about kind of this issue of, okay, we have the data, right? And it's been a long time in the industry to get it in one place-ish or wherever the place is. But how do you deal with like the data quality? You know, what are the, the processes and procedures to, to maintain and govern the data quality, you know, the inputs? Like who's, whose responsibility is that and how do you handle it? Um, and I see Dave kind of nodding a little bit, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna yeah, to pass this it, one to him. And I'll say this is the most important thing because we've all had these projects where like you go through pain, you have a data dictionary, you get it all set for like quarter one, right? Everything's beautiful. Everyone's happy. Quarter two comes an executive gets it. And it's like, well, these are different. You know, this project's a failure, You're right? Because the hard part, you know, the tech part, you know, is, is definitely achievable. The hard part is how do you make a real process? So that your data is good next week, the week at it, because you have this one-time fire drill to get everything good, right? But you need to have that reliability. And I think this is this is where it's not just a technical issue; it's having points a business issue as well. So that when you're thinking about making this data process, 
you need to not only have it as a one-time thing, but a recurring process to understand how do I know this data is good? What are my checks? What are my audits? Right? We do it with like translation and FX. We say, oh, did we, you know, did anything not get translated last night? Last night, did any feeds not come in? Did any data? Does any added look, look out of whack versus norms? And I think that's part of it. It's just not just tech. It's 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 people and process. And that's a critical part is that you need to depend upon it because the psychology of getting buy-in on a new process, you can do six months of works and that can all go away with one bad report, right? And that's 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 a killer for us. So I think the people in the yeah. Yeah. Um, so I'm going to be a little tongue in cheek here, but it's actually true, right? So competitiveness works, okay, um, as you're surfacing data up and people are reviewing it and are being, you know, looked at against some of their peers. You know, there's carrots and there's sticks, okay? Let, let's just call it what it is from a business standpoint. That's how you get users to buy in that, I mean, that to review the data and look at, at the data. The quality of data has to be a business function, right? This has to be. It's not an IT function. It's not a data analytics function. This is the, the users have to buy in that they are putting forth quality data for the, the, the firms, the firm to use. And so it, it absolutely is a business process function, right? There, there's no there's no doubt about it. And so I just want to give talk about what we did, not that this is the best way or anything like that, but just so that if somebody could take this away and use it themselves, that's great. But like we didn't start out with a big data governance function. We didn't start off with a you know data governance office. Like we didn't start with any of that. We started doing this all, you know, surf surfacing it up and basically okay, putting it back to them, putting it back to them. But then finally what we did was we 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 put this process in place. It was a very heavy business process. The tech side and the data side were like light. This was business process. And it was, what are we going to do? How are we going to put it in? How are we going to make sure it's right? Blah, blah, surface it back up, surface it back up. But then what we did was we took the data and actually used it against things that we had already done, like research models and things like that, to prove out that data can do things and, and prove out the data works, okay? And that once we did that, then everybody bought into the concept of the data which then brought them into the data needs to be right, okay? Mm. So these things coming together, like so that we were able to prove out its use case, you know, and also helped everybody understand, oh, I need to pay attention. I need to make sure this data works. After that, then we started doing some carrots and some sticks, right? And so we have this data, like our fundamental data tied to some very major, major um, things at our firm so that people know, like, <clears throat> This is where this data is going to come from, and so if this doesn't work, it could ultimately literally impact some, some major processes and functions. So that's actually what we did. So we, we first proved out the use case of it, and that that's the buy-in, and then after that, we went through a, okay, there's sometimes a carrot, sometimes a stick. Yeah, I agree with Eileen. I think we have to start small a little bit, um, not jump in and start doing governance and uh, i mean because what i've seen is when i start assigning ownership right away there is um people, the users don't see it see the value right away right they have to see the value uh what is the purpose of doing this right so if we can come up with some way of showing them there's value in doing this and it's function really it is really how do we make sure all the valid validation rules are in place right before this it goes from one system a to system b right um how do we make sure that quality exists everything that you promote to production 
um, uh, and the validation rules are sufficient enough to maintain the data quality. That's the IT function here. The business function is really reviewing the data, ownership of the data. And if you are able to prove that and set up the governance and because there's value in it, I think there'll be natural buy-in from a data ownership and data champions um, and from a business side. Yeah, it, it's a um, it's a struggle that that everybody is familiar with, and and I would I would offer that you know there's no single answer. Obviously, uh, it's a little bit like that that Dale Carnegie book, How to Win Friends and Influence People, and there's the, there's you know 20 different strategies, and if you do enough of them, things work. But you know one of the things that I see um, as a big opportunity, or in many cases a big stumbling block, and anybody who's listening to this. You know, it's it's worth thinking about is that there's an there's an issue in many real estate companies about how to pay for that activity, right? In other words, if there's a if I've got somebody who's sweeping a floor, we know how to allocate that cost. If we have a agent who does a lease deal, we know how to allocate that cost. If there's a property manager, we can allocate it. When you start getting in, like when you get into who's going to pay for the team of data scientists that we need in order to do this uh, or who's going to pay for data governance uh, analysts you know who, who it's not really property specific it's not and so if there's an inability to pay for it or to allocate the cost of it across the assets or to incur it as a corporate cost then there's almost no amount of of hoping and praying and convincing that, that you'll be able to do. I don't I don't know enough about all of your organizations, but I know that if you're being successful in this, there's some way to have these team members or these processes paid for by the organization. And and if you can do that, then you get to add, you know, all kinds of interesting people and processes and and you know it, it accrues to the benefit downstream. Um, when you guys think about people in the process architect category and I would just think data science you know uh, you know someone who's building workflows somebody who's responsible for this concept of how does this information flow throughout the organization first of all do you have those people and second of all where do they sit who do they report to you know who, who manages them any takers on that I mean oh sorry I mean I'll just jump in here because this is um, this is the reason we, we had three disparate functions. They were all working really well together, but this is the reason actually we put them all together. So um, just for, for a bit of background, so I've been at Heinz like a million and a half years. Um, my job, I always said, was to work myself out of a job in any location that I was at. And my goal was actually, how do you improve processes? How do you you know do things, train, do things better to actually then, you know, not have a job and go to the next one. And um, so I was asked uh, about, about 10 years ago, I would say, to start up this group called, the, at the time, the Business Technology Group. And the goal was literally wake up every day thinking about how to do things better. But the key was it was the business side. It was not about the IT. It wasn't about the data. It was actually about the business and changing business process to get there. Okay. So we actually, you know, just built a, a, a team and it literally was two people to start with. And it was we started on this performance data project, which again was all about business process more than anything else, right? Mm -hmm. And so that's where we started. And we grew because of the value it was providing, right? I mean, if we hadn't provided value, we, we, we wouldn't have grown. So that goes back to, you know, cost and things like that. And so the, the, 
the business actually, you know, embraced the fact that we were sitting as the business and trying to provide this value and, and work with them and understand their pain points and how that then integrated with technology and data. So that grew. Then we also had, you know, again, disparate groups of technology and data. And so we really, really, you know, are all in on the fact that these three need to come together. And that's the way that you actually make good, positive change in organization. I'm not saying we do it well all the time. I'm not saying that this is 100% perfect, but but the the three have to be intertwined or else, you know, one without the other is never going to, you know, kind of get off the starting blocks. That's, that's the way that we see it. So it all actually sits under now this new global digital strategy office. I report up to our, our CFO of the organization. And how many can, people are add- in that? in that organization sorry uh roger one just one quick follow-up for at least how many how many people are in that are in that structure and and eileen how do you how do you leverage resources that are outside of that specific reporting structure so um so in the structure we call the three-legged stool and you really kind of need to keep them in balance or else you know things don't work but the heaviest the heaviest group in that structure is it because there's so much more than just what we're talking about here right i mean there's everything about infrastructure and cybersecurity and all that. So holistically in the entire structure now, and this because we really just supercharged this this past year, um, we've got a hundred people, right? So so for us that that's a lot. For we our organization is about you know 4,500 people, like I said, uh, worldwide. Um, we have we have that. We then work with different partners in the organization, like you know. HRIS doesn't sit under this organization, it sits under the HR. So, so we have very deep connections with these groups and have you know regular ongoing status meetings, discussions, you know, to ensure that those things are all you know moving forward. Um, but then on a on a different basis is we have we work through the business. Okay. So we have different advisory groups, we have different, you know, depending on the projects, depending on what it is, we are targeting that area of the business and working through certain business you know groups in order to um one champion projects but also provide resources to ensure that that you know we're, we're doing things that again with the right business outcome in mind so that's how that's how we do it again it's not all perfect it's not all trust me there this is this is holding a pushing a boulder uphill i will be honest but it's it's all good <laughs> well welcome to the boulder pushing party um right. uh, roger sorry i stepped on 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 you jumping in no, no, that, that's my fault. I, I, I would add to, you know, what Eileen, what, what we, what we see. You know, it, it's not, it's not an IT function. I think if you treat it as one, it, it, you'll, 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 it'll fail, right? You, you can't treat these folks as, you know, to use, you know, <laughs> the term, the nerds in the corner, right? Like they have to be a part of the team that is doing the thing that needs to be transformed, right? And that means sitting with the acquisitions team that means sitting with the accounting team you know that sitting alongside those teams to almost just watch and observe right and it's a it's an amazing opportunity as, a, as an entrepreneur i think the problem isn't you know your um ability to to um solve problems it's more about your ability to be exposed to the problems that exist so that you can then solve them so if you're an organization I, you know, and you have buy-in, you know, to, to that this is initiative you need to take. I think setting up the team, like, you know, I mean, that's a pretty large team, Eileen, so congrats to you, but like setting them up so that they're a part of the, I mean, the business team and not looked at as like, again, the, the, the nerds in the corner, 
um, that only get called on when the when the computer breaks down, um, I think you'll you'll begin to actually you know solve these problems and not have them be looked at or treated as you know sort of side projects that don't actually produce real results. And, and I, I want to add one thing here. And what's interesting is if you think about it, I think companies tried doing this a, a long time ago with PMOs. Okay, a true PMO office. And, and what we realized, at least for Heinz, that that wasn't really going to work because a PMO office in our minds was flying like at a certain tree line, okay, but not necessarily getting deep into the business, right, in a certain area, okay. And so what we basically said was we, we need the deep, right. We need, Roger, to your point, like who's really understanding the entire acquisition process, the pain points and all that, which is a little bit different from a, from a PMO. So. We have project managers and, and that's what we're doing but the key is you got to get deep to really draw out those pain points draw out that business outcome draw out with those things that they that they yeah. need and so so it's interesting because it's it's again not it not that pmo like it's it's how do you kind of weave this weave this all together right um in order to get to get to those outcomes yeah, I mean, just on that, I think what's what's not to do in the future is the old school, like, let's hire a big four firm and spend $12 million and they're going to sit with these people for two years and make specs and throw it over a wall. Like, that's dead. Like, that's not how, that's how you waste $12 million, right? I think what we do is we get deep into it. And like, my, my team is all former accountants, right? It's like people who understand the business and we teach them the tech. And that's been very effective because, you know, again, I've yet to see a real estate company where the business has lots of time to go and like work with you on this stuff. So if my yeah. people can get to the 60 yard line on their own and ask the business for that last bit, it's way more helpful than starting at the zero yard line and having the business spend so much time in it. So I think the big paradigm shift is we're not throwing a huge two year spec things over the wall and making this massive hit or miss. It's getting very, Eileen's point, getting very deep on the reality of what is your day to day pain point and that's where you can create a really good solution that gives you actual value is, is getting are, really Sorry, there are two things, right? The process side and the data side. So the, the, the process side, it's easy to get the business owner, business side, jump in and help us out, or they understand the process really well. On the data side, we have to have somebody, not in sitting in IT, but working with that process person or process to really, extract the value out of the whole process and how do we bring the data in a use, usable way, right? That's, and we, we don't have a large data team. We have um, we have a data, data person who's really sitting with the business doing all this stuff, but working with the process owners, really helping, helping around. So that's how we have set up today. I think I think that um, I'm I'm going to guess that Roger will be on board with this. Um, but if you if you like we do have kind of a, a platform that is low code no code where you can develop things and roll them out to the business in iterations. You know that that is connected to the data that can build uh, effectively usable processes without going through some development cycle. Then you know yeah. things start to really happen. And and what we found is that once we had a system like that and we had people who knew how to how to be the process architects essentially um, we could embed them in various departments mm -hmm. so we have like each department has an architect effectively they might be called different things but they're they're able to kind of co-create with the business people things that are very flexible and immediately available um, I'm, I'm going to ask Ian and to just to, just to add. So I think it goes back. Not one size fits all. You got to figure out what works in your organization. 
but the key here is it's it's you you're pushing all this closer to the business. I mean that that's what we're talking about here, right? Whatever yeah. it is, it's got to get closer to the business, and it's about how you do that and how you do it rapidly, right? And back to the it's not a two two year project. It's not a this yeah. and this. It you got to hit quick wins. Perfect can't be the enemy of good. You got to you know you got to keep going. So then then it, it keeps moving. So. Quick, quick win is as long as it's not an unnecessary dashboard or siloed solution. Right. But let me. I want to. I want to change gears a little bit because um, I, I have a, a general tendency to avoid talking about the 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 fun and and you know kind of cutting edge uh, sexy stuff in 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 this. But we've gone long enough talking about data and and governance and integration and stuff. So let's talk about that top layer, the action layer, and you know, stipulate that we're past, not that we're past doing it, but we're past talking about this thing of, oh, there's a whole bunch of unstructured data and processes and people are using spreadsheets. Let's skip that that wrap for now. And just imagine that we're firmly in the world of documented system-driven processes where there's a container and there's, you know, uh, um, uh, you know, interface for it and all that kind of stuff. But think about that last one, the automated one, which really is a shorthand way of saying algorithms, robotic process automation, machine learning, um, you know, any of these kind of next level, um, you know, upper upper echelon things that are that are of the moment uh, or of the future. Um, do, do any of you guys have any of those things that you're that you're particularly excited about or focused on or even doing already, even if it's not new for you? Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm Sorry, I'm yeah. incredibly biased on this one, but predict AP. Uh, you know, mm -hmm. so um, uh, so you're talking about. It's funny because when I was talking at the start about user experience, you know, I think people focus on AI around results, like the outcome, like how well, you know, what's the accuracy and this and that. But I think what we're seeing, and I mean, actually, ChatGPT really demonstrates this, is that it's 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 technology that augments a person, right? You need to ask the right questions, you need to ask the right things. And and for me, when 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 we had this struggle, you know, the 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 nexus of this for us was we had a woman who had been at the company for 30 years and she knew everything, right? She retired in a big huge company. We can't we, we can't pay a bill anymore. And that's where the thought was, hey, can I use this technology to take that history? We paid a million invoices, we have great annotated data and unlock that and give our team the tools that augment them so they're not looking for how do I split this bill 67 ways and do the math 55 times and and all of that and so I think you know it, it's a great outcome because now you have that tribal knowledge locked within technology and it's not going anywhere and you can process you know thousands of more invoices with the same the same number of people and then the reality is from a user experience that's why I love what you said like nobody wants to be typing in 15 digit invoice numbers nobody wants to be taking something into Excel doing math and sending it back out so this is leads to a lot of turnover, a lot of unhappiness, really what you want your people and in, 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 in the use of technologies, where do you want your people focused? You don't want them using data entry, you want them focused on you know, problem solving, fraud detection, you know, is, is issues with vendors, that type of thing where they're doing value added work and they're enjoying their job more because they're not stuck in this, I'm turning 100 invoices, typing all these fields every day. And that's where Predict fits in is that, hey, we're gonna, we're gonna take care of that fully code the invoice, not just this OCR pass, but get all that data, data, all the allocations, all that into it, and then let your staff focus on the value add part of it, which is the vendor relationships, you know, the issues, the trouble that comes up, and they're enjoying their job more, and then you're getting way more scalability with the, with the tech platform. So you're using this incredible application called Predict AP to apply machine learning to, to things that were more routine in the past and time consuming. I love it. Yeah. 
like I, I said, looking forward to the demo. Go, go ahead, Sam. Sorry, for us, I think it's be a focus more on the uh, lease abstraction area. Um, how do we, once the lease is executed, a lot of leases come in different shapes and forms, right? So how do we get the lease abstracted? Obviously, there are tons of vendors now, AI vendors, lease, uh, lease abstracting vendors. How do we use the integration or RPA process to bring the data back into our MRI. Um, so that's something we've been working on and actually um, it's going live fairly soon. So, but that's kind of the projects that we are looking at in the, in the RPA or uh, a process automation space for us. And when, and when you're, when you're, using rpa do you, do you do you have a product that you like i mean is it is it fair to to ask that question you don't have to answer but but i just want to think if there's yeah, some I mean, specifics we can share. yeah i've used um I, i'm i'm fairly new here at rpt but i've used uipath in the past now we are looking at um mulesoft uh, mulesoft as a package uh, right now with uh, integration and rpa all together so we are looking at that as a generic um, it's not as like as specific as David's uh, product. It's more generic, so you have to customize to whatever you want to do, right? So if you want to do some automations towards AP, then you have to do some development towards that. But um, so um, so we are looking at um, products that we don't have to buy one for automation, buy one for integration, how can we uh, consolidate some of that, some in that space and do some integrations and automations at the, at the same time. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I can add to that, Justin. I mean, this is, this is, this is what I, we think about all the time is how all the hard work, and this is really the fun stuff, you know what I mean? All the hard work that you've done to get data into a system, you've normalized it, you've cleansed it, um, now you know that's sort of the ingestion side and there's the managing maintenance side and then there's the what do i do with it kind of side you know we talked about reporting but machine learning to me is really where we spend a lot of our time thinking about how can we allow our users to do interesting things on top you know with all this data that they've collected um you know whether it's like david said getting data out of you know standard you know forms or generating you know documents lois sort of on the fly or querying questions sort of using natural language now again given that you've had your data sort of you know sort of normalized and this is this is like the fun stuff that's really where i think the creative side of doing all this laborious work <laughs> of getting it into a system um, begins to um, become a part. I, mean, I talked about like, I, I mean, I've said Python probably at least three times today, this is the fourth, but um, you know, machine learning algorithms now require data as their fuel, right? And they're only effective if the data is all the things we've talked about, cleansed, if data quality checked, right? You, you can have an algorithm that can do anything based on any data, but you know, what, what's, how effective is it at outputting something? And so, these these algorithms now are again they're off the shelf they're they're commodities right to run you know um you know write a neural network or you know uh you know some sort of machine learning algorithm is you just import a, a python package from google you know and, and you can run it but the important thing is is getting the data in a place that you can now do the things um that i think we all want to do and, and that's the fun stuff which is have all this data begin to tell us things you know Roger, I can't wait to to compare notes with you offline. Um, I think yeah. that uh, I think we're we're you know fellow travelers with respect to this, and 
it, it's been for us it's been an incredible journey of 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 building i mean it's been it's been a 12 year journey of really investing heavily in central data and then building tools and things on top of that um and you know i had a challenge that 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 i used to issue at realcom which i'm going to mention now um is you know show me something in the organization where an algorithm is changing somebody's behavior right and if if you have that then the question is ask can we make it better can we replicate that in other areas of the company if you if you don't have that that's a goal you know to just say it almost doesn't matter what it is but i would like to have an i would like to see an algorithm and then i would like to watch somebody do something differently because of it without somebody spoon feeding them you know it kind of has to wind up in their flow of uh, of work in a natural way um, so I think of that as the algorithm challenge. It used to be that yeah. almost nobody, when I first started asking that question, almost nobody had a really good answer. Um, I'll give you an example of what I think a really good answer is because it's just out of my organization. But we have a system that looks at uh, many different factors that we know about a tenant. You know, things that have come out of accounting, things that come out of operations. It's like, you know, it, it brings together six or seven different things. And based on the results of that, it instructs the property managers to go talk to the tenant, right? So, so they'll show up in the morning, and the system has has served up for them um, tasks that are based on data that's in the system that is discoverable to a person, but most people don't think that way. Um, any any uh, examples that anybody wants to share about things that they're doing that that are specific uses like that? Uh, other than coding invoices, David? I mean, that, I can talk about invoices, but just generally, I think it's really cool in the industry to see that there is like this application. So like Sam's talking about like lease abstraction is great. Like these very deep applications, you know, there's investor side letters now. There's like, you know, a company that does that very well. And, and um, there, you know, there's credit agreement uh, abstraction and all that. So I think it's neat to see, you know, you have RPA tool sets in general, which which are a tool for users to handle kind of a, a repetition and data movement and, and all that, but also kind of these deep applications uh, on more very specific instances, uh, which I think is interesting because it, it, you know, for like investor side letters, you don't want to miss those. You don't want to, you know, uh, do something incorrect. And that gives actionable items to the, the funds team to say, oh, did you provide this report, right? Did you provide the CSG report? Did you, oh, you did a, a waterfall calculation. They had a fee break, right? Did you calculate that right? And, and, and integrating all that from from the legal documents down to the operational level, yeah, you know, the the tools we're seeing are helping connect the dots there before you'd ask the legal team to tell you what's going on, right? So I think that's that's kind of interesting to see how the industry's getting those very specific things to help with with what used to be difficult problems. Yeah, I can I can add one or two examples, Justin. One is you know. Um, we have users who are just ingesting tons of sort of uh you know available listing da data right into our system and then they're writing they have code that's hitting our system to determine you know rank their based on the 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 attributes of a particular asset sort of rank them so if they're looking at you know they might ingest thousands of properties a day and but you know they're not going to look at a thousand they might look at 10 and those are just based on some sort of rule sets that they've kind of defined but that's to me, like step one, which is, you know, manually generated rules that, you know, based on your underwriting criteria, or if it's an asset, you know, that you're managing, how do I understand if this asset is, you know, maybe not performing well, or there's some issues at it. 
but what we want to get to, I believe, is we don't have to define the rules, right? Like the, the, the rules are, are self-definable, right? Based on all the information that, that is being collected. Um, we're not there yet. You know, we're, you know, I think as an industry, we're not there yet, but I think that's, you know, if, if I look at like the FinTech space, right? If you think of, that's slightly ahead of where we are as a prop tech industry, um, these are the kinds of things, you know, if you think about quantitative analysis, like those are the kinds of things they're doing in that space. That's where I think we should be. That's where we should be. You know, that's, that's what I b believe we should be at, you know. I agreed. I'm right there with you. Right. So I would say, you know, on the algorithm side, we're not completely there yet. We're in, I would say, this mode of a little bit of, you know, trust but verify, right? So we're doing certain things. And so people are still doing some manual things. We're doing certain things and so that we can get them there. Again, trying to prove it, trying to kind of, you know, sell your wares, you know, as you, as you go along. So I, I would I would say that. And, and, and so it's still a, a manual intervention somewhat with still like, Again, we're running some, some things in parallel. I, I totally agree, Roger. Where, yeah. where do we need to get to? Um, you know, but it's you know we were we were doing some work on um, you know probability analysis, right? Least turnover, you know, renewal rates, probability analysis, and the outcome then in theory is you should have something that you would go change some of your assumptions in your underwriting model, right? Because you know, everybody's kind of always done this, and so yeah. so that's going to be a long process to get them comfortable, right? That that is something that they should really use to change. I mean, th those are some big things, right? So that's that's what we are right now is trying to, you know, it, it, again, trust trust but verify. I I I don't think we have a I have an algorithm example to show you. Maybe a year and a half from now I will have something to talk about right now, but I don't have anything right now specific. Okay. Um. So uh, I want to I want to leave a second for a question that I asked you guys and just ask for a hand raise if anybody wants to wants to call out a particular product or service that, that they uh, that they appreciate. Um, I'm going to take a second to start and just tell you guys that we've been using Yardi since 1998 and it is an incredibly solid accounting platform for us. Um, you know I, I would have to uh, I would have to do some some really uh, difficult work down with with the accounting department to try to change that. So that's been a, a core uh, of our accounting practice for many many years. Any any anyone yeah, love a product or service? I can throw some stuff out. Of course, we're, we're you already shop and we've had great success with with a lot there. Um, you know, Justin, just to throw some something back at you, like we've had an issue on bringing dates and and tasks together. You know, getting the team together on tasks and Simmons is. Uh, a, a great uh, option there we've used and, and, and I will say that uh, on the investor side letter issue that became a challenge for us Entra is a tool um, that 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 has has been very helpful for us there if people want to go look up some some cool tools to research after after the call uh, those are a couple so I'm gonna, I'm gonna mention first we're not at Yardy shop so please don't kick me off the the uh, webinar I'm just gonna say um, so we're, we're JD Edwards we're also um, in the United States using Entrada for our uh, multifamily platform, which which we really like how that uh, creates a, a client experience, you know, that's really, really robust from a multifamily standpoint. Um, I'm going to call out a, a vendor that isn't normally talked about because they're not really in the prop tech space, but they do a phenomenal job um, and that's uh, Channel Financial. So we use Channel Financial for a lot of our debt 
you know, um, a, a lot of, of work there. But they actually have a product about a debt management project product, which is basically, you know, how are you abstracting all of your debt, putting it into one place, creating that, you know, robust uh, information set that then we can also, you know, take out and do certain things with. So um, they, you know, are, I think normally in the top of everybody's minds when you're talking about these sorts of things, but like, you know, from a, from a standpoint of something that's really accelerated some things for us related to being able to, you know, uh, on some of our, our debt information, that's, that's pretty solid. We, we, we use chat. Well, right. For us, Amara has been there for a very long time. So um, I'm, I'm being, being new here. I'm evaluating all the platforms and applications, what makes sense for us. So it's, uh, uh, uh -huh. so right now, if you ask me, Amara is where our critical, critical application and accounting bits on it. So yeah, all right. I can, uh, all, all I want, Eileen said chat on financial. We, we actually, we integrate with them and I agree. Like they are fantastic. They have been fantastic to work with. Um, their team is just, you know, super open, you know, very responsive. Um, so I, I, I completely agree with her on that. And of course, you know, we've said it before, but OpenAI, you know, who produced chat GPT, it's the, I did my master's in machine learning and that's really the first instance where I was like blown away by what the future holds. And I think, you know, the things that that will enable us to do, you know, Eileen, you mentioned get people comfortable. Can you imagine your GC being comfortable with an automated, you know, LOI document or, you know, like those, that, that's what's going to happen. And, and I think getting people comfortable with it is, is going to be an interesting task. All right, we're all going to hang out at the at the Chatham Financial booth at Realcom <laughs> this year, which will be larger than it was before. I could, I, you know. <laughs> I like it. Go. All right, Chuck, thank you for for making this space for us. You guys did great. I see comments coming in on the question answer. Great job. Uh, very uh, good. Good participation. Uh, the panel uh, discussions were just fantastic. So thank you for all for your contributions. Just it's really a lot of information to process. So with what was I don't remember the exact numbers, but 27% executives, 47% IT, uh, back you know that that kind of back office people are looking for answers. And so uh, this kind of exchange here. The kind of exchange that we'll have at Realcom certainly certainly can help. Uh, thank you again to the live audience for being active with the incoming questions. And whether you've joined us or just watching this recording, uh, thank you for tuning in and registering for this. But uh, let me bring to your attention our next webinar. It's on March the 9th. It's zero carbon, the net zero carbon detection, collection, and reporting carbon accounting's impact on the commercial real estate industry just an incredible topic on what it is why it's important what you got to know to to be successful how that's impacting the investment so it's just going to be a fantastic conversation um and i don't know if you noticed eileen look at that those pictures They're all women in real estate un incredible so uh the, the, the session on uh, March 23rd will be taking that exact same subject and focusing in on case studies, things similar to what we just talked here, but really starting getting down into the deep of the how, how people have done it, what they're doing, and, and what you need to know to be, to be true. So be sure and check those out. It's never too late to be making plans for Realcom IBCon. That was mentioned during the discussion as well. We'll all be there, I'm pretty sure. Um, and uh, You'll be able to interact with people live. It's a great way to connect with this community in person, develop relationships, expand your networking connections. It'll be in Las Vegas at 
Caesar's Palace in mid-June. So uh, begin to make plans for that. Be sure to register on uh, realcom.com. So with that, I'd say that's it for us. Thank you again to the panel. I'll, uh, I'll send you a follow-up note with other comments that came in. Great job. We just so appreciate all of you for being on again. Thank you. That's it for us. Be safe and we're done. Thanks. Thank you so much. Thank you. Bye -bye.